Hello, I'm Rhonda Nowak for the Mail Tribune and Rosebud Media. This is The Literary Gardener for February 18th, 2021. The topic this time is, this may sound crazy, but I want more insects in my yard. Humans would last only a few months if insects were to disappear from Earth. It's remarkable, then, that our cultural relationship with insects is not one of awe and appreciation, but one of disgust and animosity. Douglas Tallamy, Nature's Best Hope, 2019. Do you value the insects in your garden and yard? Do you want to increase the number of insects in your garden and yard? Of course, that depends on what kind of insects I'm talking about. According to Tallamy, one of the most important ways we can support biodiversity and contribute to a balanced ecosystem is to pay attention to the number of caterpillars and butterflies and moths we have in our landscape and make gardening choices that will increase their populations. Caterpillars are particularly important in order to support birds because they, not earthworms, make up 96% of the bird's diet while raising their young. It's amazing to know that parent birds must bring food back to their nest of three to five babies between 120 and 150 times every day for two weeks. That's a lot of caterpillars. Birds depend on caterpillars because these insect larvae are high in fat and have twice the amount of carotenoids than other insects. Carotenoids are helpful pigmenting compounds that are found in some of our favorite vegetables, yams, spinach, tomatoes, carrots, beets, kale, peppers, and melon, among others. Carotenoids contain lots of antioxidants and strengthen the immune system. People benefit from carotenoids by eating vegetables. Birds benefit from them by eating caterpillars. To effectively support and monitor caterpillars in our garden and yard, it's helpful to understand the life cycle of Lepidoptera. They all go through complete metamorphosis, consisting of four stages, eggs, larva, pupa, and adult. Butterflies and moths spend most of their lives as caterpillars, feeding voraciously on their host plant and shedding their skin several times to accommodate their rapidly increasing size. At the end of the larval stage, caterpillars drop to the ground in search of leaf litter, twigs, or dead plant stems to build a chrysalis. After emerging from their cocoon, females will mate once and then return to the host plant to lay eggs and die. Most Lepidoptera species live only a few weeks, but a few live up to 18 months. Depending on the species and their habitat, butterflies and moths produce one or two generations per year. Some may overwinter as a larva, pupa, eggs, or an adult. We need to make water and shelter available to Lepidoptera throughout the year. Terracotta plant saucers, bird baths, fountains, and pond edges provide a place for butterflies to drink and bask in the sun. Rather than installing built butterfly houses in our yard, Talamy suggests placing a few decaying logs or rocks with crevices around for shelter instead. Keeping some leaf litter and plant stalks in the yard provides a place for the insects to build their cocoons and offers them protection over winter. 
Speaking of protection, Talamy points out that our porch lights and security lights are devastating for night-feeding moths, which are so mesmerized by the brightness that they abandon their foraging and often die by beating themselves against the lamp. He suggests installing sensors on outdoor lights to keep, help keep moths safe. Planting native host plants for Lepidoptera provides the food they need, a place for them to lay eggs, and a nursery for caterpillars. Here are some of my top choices for native trees, shrubs, and herbaceous plants, and the number of Lepidoptera they support. Specific native plant species are adapted for wetter, drier, and lower, higher elevation habitats in our area. For more information, visit www.nwf.org and search for Native Plant Finder. Now keep in mind that non-native plants only support a very small number of generalist insects such as European honeybees. For trees and shrubs, I like the willow, which supports 312 species of Lepidoptera, chokecherry, 240, oak, 200, blueberry, 130, raspberry, 96, rose, 94, blue blossom or ceanothus, 93, western serviceberry, 81, hazelnut, 71, dogwood, 58, California wild grape, 55, kinnikinnik or manzanita, 51, ocean spray or holodiscus, 39, rhododendron and azalea, 32, elderberry, 32, and snowberry, 32. For perennials, my faves are strawberry, which supports 69 species of Lepidoptera, lupin, 55, goldenrod, 49, Sunflower, 41, Violet, 27, Willow Herb, 25, Indian Paintbrush, 24, Geranium, 21, Beard Tongue or Penstemon, 18, Evening Primrose, 17, Western Columbine, 10, Clematis, 9, Phlox, 9, and Iris, 8. Choosing native plantings that bloom at different times will also provide pollen and nectar from spring until fall for our native bees and wasps. I'm excited to add more natives to my landscape and watch what happens. I recently participated in a free ongoing web class offered by the OSU Extension Service on how to use a program called iNaturalist to help me identify and monitor the number of native Lepidoptera and Hymenoptera I have on and around my native plants, as well as the number of native birds I have in my landscape. This is a visual way for me to keep track of my goal to increase biodiversity in my yard. Here's how iNaturalist works. Open an account on your computer at www.inaturalist.org or download the iNaturalist app to your smartphone. Once I opened an account on my computer, I joined OSU's iNaturalist project for Master Gardeners, which was set up for gardeners in our area to share observations of wildlife, which include mammals, birds, reptiles, amphibians, arthropods, worms, mollusks, plants, and fungi. 
On the project page, I can upload pictures of native butterflies and bees or any wildlife, along with information about when and where I observed them, and other notes, such as how many of them I saw at one time in a particular area. There's also an option for uploading sounds if I want to identify and monitor native birds in my yard. I can click on Species Name for identification suggestions and view for more details about the top suggested animal or wildlife, either at the genus or species level. Once I've agreed with an ID for one of my insects, for example, I can submit my observation for feedback from the OSU iNaturalist Project community. The picture and information is added to my personal observations page so I can keep an ongoing inventory of the insects and other wildlife I see and also contribute to a statewide project to track wildlife. After reading Nature's Best Hope, I'm looking at my yard and garden in a different way. I'm certainly looking at the role of insects in my yard with renewed respect. Talamy writes, we simply need to include ecological function in our land management plans to keep the sixth mass extinction at bay. It's truly remarkable to me that tiny insects are our important allies in accomplishing such a monumental task. And that's it for the Literary Gardener this time. Thanks so much for listening and happy gardening.